This is the Squared Goal Podcast with Mark Morris and Jared Meruyama. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Squared Co. Podcast. Jared Mariyama is here and I am Mark Morris. That changed it up. The hosts hosts of the Squared Co. Podcast. Wow. Jared. A lot of energy. I like it. We, um, (laughs) don't worry. This, it'll go downhill uh, <laughs> really rapidly. It's already it's already going there. Um, but this is another replay episode. This time with Cole Roberts. So if you're listen if you're re-listening to these or listening to this for the first time, um, we just released Mike Anderson's replay episode, and we kind of put these two replay episodes together because these guys. Uh, Mike Anderson and Cole Roberts are best friends in real life, Mm -hmm. and they also are co-hosts to a podcast of their own that we were actually able to, Jared and I were um, recently guests on their podcast. Right. Um, We had Mike and Cole on, I think they were our first two interviews. I think so. For the, that, that actually got aired. (laughs) <laughs> yes. Yes. And uh, they were both guests when we did the It movie review, which is uh, our most yes. listened to episode. So we have a we have great appreciation for what uh, <laughs> what they've done for our podcast. Yeah. And I'm still uh, I mean, we you and I talk about this. I don't know what it was about that It episode that has made it so popular. Yeah. Um, but, you know, maybe it's a combination that they have a following um, with their podcast, and they actually shared our episode mm-hmm. on their SoundCloud page, which I'm sure made a difference. Um, but yeah, we are really grateful for Mike and Cole. Uh, this episode is Cole Roberts, and I think this was episode number six. So like in the intro we mentioned for Mike's replay, this was like at a time when we didn't really know the direction and how we wanted to format all of these, our Squared Co. podcast episodes. Um, so it does sound a bit different <laughs> than than what our episodes sound like now. Um, I'm sure six months from now it'll be a different format uh, as well. But it's like we talk very slow in this episode. I don't know if you re-listen to it, but uh, <laughs> you, you should. It's funny how different it sounds. But I still talk slow. Um, I mean, I try to speed it up a little bit because, like we we talked to the M of One guys during their the trilogy mm-hmm. um, episodes and we mentioned to them like you have to talk at a 10 in order for it to sound like we're at like an energy level of like a four yeah. so yeah. it's weird how excited and crazy you got to get and it just translates to normal yes. for some reason when you're doing this audio medium but uh what's the again, name of I'm their rambling. podcast <laughs> it's movie? master of oh no, no, no. scary movie ice cream social and you were on their show before as well without me right you did it once before was just it? you no i thought you did that was no so it was you and i were that was the first time that i was on their their uh podcast oh for some reason i thought um, you did it by yourself <clears throat> okay no th- yeah so we both that was the first for both of us on theirs um but yeah we we've had through this whole squared code thing i've ha- managed to work with both of them 
as artists for contributing different. They contribute art to different. Oh my gosh, yeah. what is happening? Take it to easy. Me? Take it easy. They contributed artwork to different shows mm-hmm. and projects for Squared Co. Um, so now we have a pretty good relationship and we definitely will have to have them back on the Squared Co podcast again at some point. Um, but anyways, before I get even worse with this intro, <laughs> um, here is the episode with Cole Roberts. Enjoy. Welcome to Squared Co. Podcast. This is groundbreaking. You are our very first guest. How, how does that make you feel? I'm actually super, super honored. And I'm, I'm not just saying that. Uh, so, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to, to talk to you guys. Awesome. Well, it's great to have you here. Um, you are a busy man, to say the least. I know that illustrating is, isn't necessarily your, your full-time gig. I know you have a day job. Um, mm-hmm. You do your freelance illustrating and you have a podcast in the background. How difficult is it for you to juggle all this stuff? And you have a family too. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Well, it's it's kind of just one of those things I've 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 gotten used to um, the last couple of years. But I've I've been I work full time as a graphic designer here in Nashville, Tennessee, and um, that's that's my nine to five job. And I've I've been uh, working this way for about about 10 years now, um, but currently been in Nashville for the last six years and same company doing the, doing the same job. Um, I, I work with some really great people. So it's been, it's been really nice. Like, uh, when I moved here, I didn't have anything. I, I came here with my, with my television, my PlayStation and, uh, a uh, couple of, you know, couple changes of clothes. And I w- lived with my, girlfriend and her two roommates while they were finishing up their last semester in college and things just kind of kind of worked out to where I could uh, find a job here designing. And so do you have I, you have a day job which is graphic design which is still in the creative field. Mm-hmm. Is it difficult for you to like switch gears when you're doing that? I'm assuming relatively close to the nine to five you put on an eight hour day mm-hmm. and then you got to switch gears to do the freelance stuff. Is that a difficult transition? Um do you, is there any sort of overlap between the two worlds when at I, all? When I first started, um, I was like, every lunch I would draw. Um, so lunch break, I get an hour, I would just hold up in my office and draw. When I'd come home, I'd immediately start drawing until it was time to go to sleep. And it's gotten, I, I will say, it's gotten a lot harder the last couple of years to do that. I don't know if it's because I've gotten older or <laughs> um, if my type of work has changed too. You know, like I think when I started out was a lot of practice, a lot of really, really bad drawings, a lot of, a lot of mistakes, and and then like once you start kind of getting into the groove and people start seeking out your work, you know, you're doing more finished products than you are just doodling in the sketchbook. So yeah, um, it, it, it's I, a it's a lot harder to come home because you're again I'm at a computer, you know, for another three to four hours and. Uh, it, get, it gets tiring for sure. Yeah, I think it's really important, though, to not necessarily have it's your your day job separate from your freelance or your personal illustrations, but you've got to be able to continue to work and grow because from a, your day job, you're limited to what the clients coming in the door mm-hmm. are asking of you. Whereas 
if you, however you want to grow, whether it be as an illustrator or a designer, you're only going to grow if you're continuing to work at it and practice. So it is really important to keep working towards that in the after hours. Um, so we know you have a, a day job and you're working your ass off after hours on your personal stuff. Is that kind of the end goal? Do you want to build up a freelance career and client list and kind of break away from the nine to five? Or do you enjoy having and working on both ends? Oh, yeah. Well, <laughs> you know, I, I think it's it's kind of funny when, when I started when I started working like this, that the end goal totally was to go, um, you know, freelance. Um, but um, it's, it's not necessarily that's not the goal anymore. But it's kind of funny how when you're in a certain area or a certain season in life, you're kind of always thinking of like, oh, I can't wait until I can do this or I can't wait till this opportunity comes up. And then over time, those opportunities come up and then you find yourself like, oh man, I miss the good old days when no one was like knocking at the door and I could kind of creep back and, you know, do my own thing. But um, yeah, I, I think I think in my head, it would be great to go full-time freelance so then I can go back to my nights being just like personal projects. Because I don't know, I don't know um, about you guys, but I, I think personal projects, I just they allow for so much growth. And that's when I really see myself like uh, pushing forward because there's not, you know, I'm the art director at this point. So if I want to try a completely different style or get out of my comfort zone, um, it's a really good opportunity to do that. I wonder if we could take it back just a little bit before we go too far. Like you're from Oklahoma originally, is that right? Yes. Okay, and you went to school there. Yeah, I went to um, I went to school in Edmond, Oklahoma City area, and I lived there for about three years before I moved uh, to Nashville. And what did you study while you were in school? Were you a design student or? Yeah, I, I, I went to school for graphic design and I kind of minored in illustration. So there was kind of a point where I've always drawn as a kid. And when my parents are both educators, so it was they really wanted me to, to go to college. <laughs> right. Um, so I, I really just it was one of those things where I was like, I don't know what I want to study. And it was like, well, you should do art. And so I did fine arts for several years and I wasn't enjoying it because it, I, it was just really too artsy. Um, <laughs> you, you could do anything and, you know, the weirder it was or the sloppier it was, it seemed to you'd get the more praise where a lot of the stuff I was turning in, you know, was graphic design. I just didn't really know it at the time. And uh, thankfully, I met some people who showed me that, hey, you, you should probably switch majors and start focusing on design because you can do that and, you know, leave the painting to, to, to the other guys that, you know, who... <laughs> are literally making me look like a fool because they're, they're so good. And I'm just like, yeah, I, I just, you know, I, I like logos and package design and, <laughs> so, and things like that. So what kind of stuff were you doing when you're doing fine arts? Was that all painting? Like, uh, it was, yeah, yeah. heavy in the painting, uh, oil painting, oil um, painting. Uh, watercolor. That was my main, my main two focuses. So, um, man, oil painting, it, it's fun. I, it's funny because I actually, I have a lot more respect for it now that I'm removed from it. But at the time I was like, it just wasn't my thing. And it, you know, it, it's so slow to dry and it's just, you have to be so patient with it. And I'm not like, especially with digital work now, I'm the opposite of patient, you know? Yeah. You um, know, but then you do have sort of a painterly style uh, to, to a lot of your work that I'm, I'm looking at here. Do you find that any of that uh, sort of early training crossed over into how you use the digital tools to do your, your coloring? 
Yeah, I think so. I mean, I you know, a lot of a huge credit to uh, Kyle Webster. Who yeah. I'm pretty sure if anyone's <laughs> oh, yeah, drawing aware, digitally, totally. yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, oh my gosh, I feel like I should be <laughs> giving him, like I should be paying him a salary for just the <laughs> the amount that he's helped me with, um, with, with just making digital art fun. Because, you know, for a while the argument was always like, um, I, I started out when I started doing illustration, I was very traditional. I used a ink brush and um, a bottle of ink and, you know, I would do my pencils traditionally ink over it, which I still love to do. There is something so um, kind of therapeutic about that where your eyes aren't looking at a glowing screen and you're just kind of, you know, at one with the paper and it's it's really nice, but um, it does not uh, help with efficiency and quickness. So. Right. <laughs> Um, it was cool to like, like I was saying, the argument was always like, yeah, it looks too digital, but I feel like the, the way he's changed all of that is like, it, it's really hard to tell if something is done digitally or, or traditionally. And, uh, I just, I find that fascinating. Like he's, his brushes are such a lifesaver. And if anyone out there is drawing digitally without his brushes, uh, stop and <laughs> just go go download those it's worth the money it's, they're they're wonderful <laughs> how exciting yeah. for that person who hasn't discovered them yet um, if, <laughs> i know if, if I, such a I creature exists yeah exactly <laughs> um so, so then how did you end up oh, i'm sorry mark let me just finish this one how did you end up in tennessee then um so before before i was um before I was doing art, I was actually um and I'm sure Mark will probably talk about this later, but um I'm a huge music fan and I was doing music before I was doing uh before I started working full time in design and I was in a band and we were touring and playing a lot and I had um met this girl on uh on at a festival and we kept in touch over the year started dating and she's from Michigan she moved to go to school in Tennessee and while she was graduating I I thought, you know, I wasn't really a fan of my job back in Oklahoma. And I thought, surely <laughs> moving to a slightly bigger city, there might be another opportunity to work. And so I moved for her and it was Aww. scariest, but best decision I made. And, you know, we're married now, so it, it worked out. Right. <laughs> so <laughs> then, awesome. yeah, I, I moved for a girl. What, uh, what was the name of the band you're in? Are they, is it is it an existing thing still? Uh, I, I don't know if I should tell you guys. <laughs> <laughs> oh, come on. Don't be embarrassed. Uh, yeah. Okay. Well, um, I think I'm not 100% sure. I think our stuff is still online, whether it's, <laughs> I, it used to be on iTunes. I, it might be on Apple music now, but we were, and this, this is where it gets tricky. And, uh, but we were called Madison Avenue and there was already a band or a group rather called Madison Avenue it was a, a guy and a girl. I think they were British and they were like a pop group. Yeah. Um, but our name was one word. Like mm. I, <laughs> we kind of like wanted, we didn't want to give up the name and we kind of worked around it to where it's like, <laughs> uh, well, it's just one word. You see, it's not, you know, it's not Madison Avenue. It's Madison Avenue. <laughs> Big difference. Say it a little yeah, bit quicker. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. But yeah, we were, we were just a rock band and we weren't signed to a, uh, we weren't signed to a major label. We were strictly independent, but you right. know, we booked our own shows and played a lot. And, um, that I think whatever record happens to be up, that was the last uh, the last thing we did. And this was like 2007, 2008, maybe. So it's it's been a long time. But I, I sing I sang in the band. So oh, you're the awesome. singer. Do you, did you play an I instrument was. as well? Or I I I was I've played in punk rock bands my whole life where I just 
played guitar and sang, but this was the first band where I didn't play anything. I, I strictly sang and it was super uncomfortable to <laughs> stand behind a microphone and have to kind of entertain people. That's kind of um, what I wanted to bring up. It, it, was music kind of what brought you into the art and design world? Because I know for me, I'm super interested in music as well. Like all throughout high school, I was, that's kind of what defined me. I was an emo kid for sure. Oh yeah, um, me too. <laughs> and looking back at it now, I can see the direct um, line that brought me to my love in art and design today. But looking at like all the album art, um, mm -hmm. and the band logos and the t-shirts. Is that something that you think maybe even subconsciously kind of influenced your decision to move into the art and design world? Yeah, I, I would I, almost, almost definitely. I mean, it's, it's kind of weird when you kind of play your life back in your head, you know, just when you, when you have those moments, usually it's when I'm mowing the lawn, I, I have these deep, <laughs> these deep, uh, thinking <laughs> sessions, but um, I've always like subconsciously, I guess design and art has always been a thing because when I was a kid, I was a huge Ninja Turtle fan. Still I am. Yes. And, you know, like toys were so cheap back then. My parents would like go out and, you know, if they were going on a date and I was good for grandma, they'd come back with the Ninja Turtle and it was like <laughs> two bucks, you know. Hell and the yeah. Thing I would, yeah. The thing I would do, though, is, you know, I played with the toys just like any other kid would, but I kept all the boxes because wow. the art was so cool. Like, I just, I couldn't throw them away. I'd get really upset if they were thrown away, but I kept the packaging and I would just kind of maul over it, you know, like... When I was tired of playing with the toys, I would just turn the the back of the box over and look at, you know, the the layout and just the other characters and the colors, and it was just all so exciting. Um, and then I'm a huge cartoon fan. I would sit in front of the TV with paper, and I would just draw whatever I was seeing on the screen. And um, music was kind of the same way. Like, music, I was always, I always gravitated towards album covers that I thought were exciting or, you know, thought represented me at that time in life. So, you know, yeah, I was... Totally. A, if I was an angsty teen, then I wanted the, you know, the art that to reflect that, you know, just to speak for me, I guess. <laughs> and so yeah, I think that was really important with uh, the genre, you know, punk in particular. There's there's so yeah. many sub sub genres within there, but you could tell a lot of what the album would sound like based off of the album art. Oh, yeah, totally. I mean, I it's, it's funny because like I think a lot of people find music differently nowadays. But back then, when you didn't have the ability to, you know, Google search it or look it up on iTunes, uh, the artwork mattered so much because that's how you how I would find new bands. At least it was either, you know, if there was a band I liked, I would look through the thank yous and find out what bands they were thanking yes, because yes. that means they might actually be friends that have similar music. So <laughs> um, then I'd go to the store and look up those <clears throat> bands. And if the album art was cool enough, then, you know, I'd, I'd dive in. And it's kind of crazy that you would used to spend like, you know, $10, $15 on, a, on an album uh, totally risk, right? Like you don't know. Yeah. Especially if you're liking kind of the more underground music, they're not getting on the radio. So it's really kind of like, I really hope this is good because I just spent all my lawn mowing money on this. <laughs> yeah, I think today it's definitely like Cole was saying, because of the Internet and how that's influenced the way that we absorb mm -hmm. media it's definitely changed the way that we we learn about right. music and then like the album art almost becomes irrelevant because it's it's all sure. digital. We don't have like it's rare for people to go out and buy the album. It's all downloaded digitally. Um, 
you know, with the exception of some people are getting reintroduced to vinyl and all that. But as a, a large whole, I think people are just consuming their music digitally and album art just doesn't even yeah. cross their radar. Oh, you know, the, that's interesting, too. I was thinking about this when you were talking about being in a band. It's probably the rare situation where, like, for your parents, you can say, I'm going to stop being in this rock and roll band and I'm yeah. going to be an artist. And that's probably, like, the safer move. You're probably, <laughs> like, thrilled that you were, oh, he's getting a job or something like that. Like, yeah. like how was that? How was that with your parents? Were they concerned at all when you started going into music as a as a career? I, I think they were, mainly because, I mean... It was it was a it was a struggle to get me to to go to school and then to stay in school um, <laughs> because I wanted I wanted that road life so bad and when I wasn't like in between semesters I would tour with bands selling their merchandise so I wasn't mm-hmm. there were points where I was on the road and I wasn't even playing the show I was just sitting behind the table and you know flipping T-shirts for the band and you know uh, getting free free drinks and you know crappy sandwiches <laughs> every night and, um, living the dream. It, it really like I would I could not do it now. I'm so I guess I'm so like spoiled and pampered to just sleeping in a bed and, you know, um, <laughs> having having a consistent paycheck. I couldn't go back to that life. But um, yeah, like I would. So there were so many times of like the summers I was just gone because that's that's what I was doing. And when I started doing it myself um, with with my own music. I, there was a point where it was kind of like, ah, yeah, I don't, I don't know if this is going to be good. And then once they actually saw us like perform, they would come out to a show or hear hear the album. Then I got their full support. It was kind of like one of those things where it was like you had to see it to believe it. Um, and I, I I remember my dad coming up to me after a show, and he was just like. I've never seen him so floored by like what like anything I had done just because he was like, uh, you know, because he saw the people react to it and, you know, kind oh, of the yeah. showmanship that goes into it and the lights and, you know, people wanting to, you know, take photos with a bunch of guys they don't know or whatever, just on the off <laughs> chance that one day we'll, we'll make it somewhere. But when, when I made the transition to go into art, I think they, they, I mean, they were definitely happy about that just because they were seeing that degree put to use, um, Right. Um, so I think I think they were a little relieved, um, but uh, smart move. That was a smart <laughs> way to do it. Yeah, you know it's funny because like, I've never been one to like. It's always been like one or the other for me. And so when I was doing music, I was doing zero art unless it was for an assignment. Mm. And when I quit music, um, I've never gone back to it. Like I, I live in Music City now. A lot of people. Oh, did you move here to be in the music? No, I actually moved here <laughs> because I quit. <laughs> to get I quit away from music. music. <laughs> I know bad, bad place to live if you're not into music. And uh. so then you you come to Tennessee. Uh, what was your first like art job uh, where you're actually doing art for uh, for your for your profession? So like the first like I guess illustration job uh, wasn't until probably three years later. I mean, there was a really long period of me just not being very good. Um, so, and, but it was, it was fun, you know, like I, like I said, it's, it's I'm, and I'm still like, I'm not going to say I'm not, not good. Cause I can, I can see a difference, but you, you, I think as an artist, you always want to be better the next year and the next year. And it's, Absolutely. it's awesome to look back and see where you came from. And to me, like, I look at myself now and I'm like, I'm happy with this, but I can't wait to see what five years from now looks like. Cause, oh um, yeah, it's, it's exciting. I think that's part of the reason why I do it too. I, I like seeing the result and for me i'm trying to make sure that's not something that i get um impatient with yeah i 
I've always thought like for artists, like the, the best sign that you are uh, sort of establishing yourself as an artist is like if you cringe a little less when you look back at your work. Right. <laughs> so obviously like, you know, 10 years ago might be the worst, but five years ago it's, it's better. And maybe three years ago you're like, yeah, I still kind of like that, but right. Um, yeah, that's hilarious. So um, what kind of jobs are you doing? Like when you're actually at the stage job, like what, what type of stuff are you doing specifically logos or is it layout stuff? For the last, uh, I, I still do a lot of catalog layouts for uh, the clothing company we work with. Um, uh-huh. um, so um, we do, I, I still do those, but um, over the last couple of years, I've actually kind of taken it upon myself to try to push illustration where I see it can fit. So even though we have these retainer clients, we still get people who are coming in off the street who are, you know, needing design, who need, you know, either a logo or maybe an icon set made for something. And so we, we get those projects from time to time. And it's a, it's a team setting. There's, there's um, about eight of us that design. So um, when a logo does come in, we're all kind of like working on our own concepts to pitch. Um, and it's a it's an internal pitch because we're we're not going to pitch all eight you know concepts to the sure. client and just like you know uh, overwhelm them or anything. But uh, we'll do it internally and we kind of narrow it down. And, and so it's kind of like this fun competition of like, oh yeah, my my you know my idea got picked you know to be pitched or whatever. And um, so that's how the logo stuff works. And generally, generally when you know if a logo picks, you know, or a client picks my logo or someone else's, whoever's they pick is the person who kind of takes over the project and kind of sees it out, you know. So you do. Um, it sounds like your role is a little bit more than just graphic design, where it's kind of blends with art direction as well. Yeah, a little bit. I mean, we we have um, we have a couple of on staff art directors, but um, you know, it's it's one of those things where we're all kind of. We all kind of start at the same time and, you know, there's, um, I'm like, in fact, I'm one of the people who've been there the longest, um, which is kind of weird to think about because it's, it's only been six years, but, um, yeah, I mean, we, we've got people who art direct, but, um, I think there's just kind of like this general trust and you can kind of have that with a smaller studio. Yeah. Um, because you, you work so closely on it anyway, it's almost like you don't even notice the art directing happening. It's kind of like a collaborative uh, effort. So how do freelance clients find you, I guess? I know that, um, so for Squared Co, we asked you to do um, some work for us a little while ago, which we'll get into in a minute. But for me, I found you on Instagram. Has mm-hmm. social media been a way for a lot of people to get in contact with you or discover your work. Yeah, it's it's a hundred percent social media, and that just it sounds crazy to to say that, but I also feel like it's, it's maybe more common now too. Um, mm-hmm. You know, like I, I have a website where I house everything, but people have found me over the years through Instagram. So they, it's it's kind of neat too because I know I've posted some bad work on Instagram, and it's it's <laughs> you know bless their heart for still like wanting <laughs> wanting me to work with them, uh, even though they've seen you know some of the good stuff and some of the not so great stuff. But I've always tried to be like really transparent with that on Instagram, just because it's you know it's, it's social media. It is it is my life. Like my my Instagram handle is Life of Cole, which was a joke when I came up with that name. Um, and then I started illustrating and I thought I, if I change it now, then I don't, I don't want to confuse anyone. So let's just let it be that. But it is very much so like Instagram people have found me. I know I met you through Instagram and, um, uh, and then I've, 
followed Jared. I followed your work for many years now. Probably, uh, probably when I first joined Instagram, at least within the first year of being uh, being on there. So, oh. and you still follow him? Yeah, it, right. <laughs> he hasn't I let you down yet. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I'll say this: like I, I'm, you know, not to not to embarrass you, but I'm such a fan of your work, and like it's it's really like it's really cool to actually talk to you. <laughs> on oh well, thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> That's why we're having you on the show here. So we need more of that. Yeah, I can I can, <laughs> I can talk you guys up. <laughs> <laughs> so how do you use uh, social media? Is it is it like if Instagram? It's a it's a relatively uh, passive uh, page kind of thing. Like, really how is, do you yeah. use it to to get work? Or do you send that out as a link or do people just stumble upon it? Like, do you actively seek out clients or is it just more whoever happens to find your stuff online? Uh, definitely whoever happens to find me. I, I feel like um, with, with as much as I have going on and, and with working a full-time job, I've never advertised myself as like available to mm-hmm. work, even though if an opportunity came up, you know, and when an opportunity comes up, if someone, you know, DMs me or, um, you know, chat, you know, wants to chat about a project, then, you know, then that's when I, I, I think like, can I take this? Do I have the time? Do I want to take this? And there was definitely early on, I was taking anything I could get. Um, and now I've kind of gotten to be a little more choosing, not because I think my work is like, you know, uh, a certain stature, you know, I, the project has to be like, it's it's more of just like, I've stressed myself out more times than I can count. And it's just, mm-hmm. you know, saying no to the projects that you think um, you're going to struggle way more with due to your time mm-hmm. limit. You know, like, I always I always want to take on stuff with the client in mind, like if 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 I'm a good fit for their needs um, then I'll, then I more, I'll say yes more often, but if, if it's something where I, like, I honestly think someone else could do this better or, you know, the style fits someone else better. I kind of redirect people if I can. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's a good, that's a good spot to be. And I think, and I think that's probably the design sort of art director side of you coming through. Cause I'm sort of the same way. If I feel I'm not a good fit for it, regardless of how much the client is pushing, mm-hmm. it almost feels guilty taking on a job that yeah. you're like, gee, you know, I'm the wrong, I'm the wrong <laughs> style for this, you know? Like, yeah, absolutely. I'm picturing this totally different. So that's pretty, who are, um, like, I'm looking through your work here on your website and who are some of your influences uh, as an artist? I mean, I can probably think of a few just by looking at sort of the style that you do, but who are, who are some of the the people you like, whether contemporary or from the past? Yeah. Um, so I, I'm a huge, like, um, huge fan of, uh, Christopher Lee, I, I he gets he, he gets talked about so much. I almost I almost don't want to talk about Chris. Yeah. <laughs> I, I love Chris. Okay. He's actually <laughs> he's actually a really really nice guy and a good friend of mine. Um, uh, Matt Koffenberg is an incredible mm-hmm. artist. Like, um, really really good guy. Um, I love his work and um, my my buddy Mike. Um, <laughs> he's uh, the guy I podcast with, and um, you, you guys probably know him, Mike Anderson. Um, yeah, he's been like the biggest cheerleader in me, like doing illustration at all. Um, so Mike, Mike used to live across the street from me. Uh, when we graduated college, we met our senior year. We were in senior class together, and so we graduated des- uh, doing design. He was doing illustration, I was doing design, but you know, the school was small, so they kind of just put us in the same department and yeah. uh, or the same class. He always was like pushing me to like draw, even when I didn't want to. He was like, you know, I really would like to see you, see you draw. You should do it. You should take yourself seriously. And I, he's like 
like my art director too. Like I always am texting him and be like, hey, how bad does this face look? Or how bad is my anatomy <laughs> right now? And he'll kick my butt, you know, he'll be like, no, this is, you know, think about it like this or try this. And, you know, he's not, obviously he's not doing the work for me because it would be way better if he was, but he's like so good at like helping me, like, like he understands how, how I work and he understands my style and um, he really has been such a great coach and his work is phenomenal. So uh, yeah, he's, de- I think it's he's definitely really one of my important. favorite artists. I, I think it's really, you know, his stuff is, is super impressive. Um, I think it's really important, though, to maintain positive relationships with not only your peers, but also some artists that you look up to. And Mm -hmm. it's even greater if you can get sort of a mentor relationship out of them, too. Yeah, definitely. It's it's invaluable. Like, I I would just tell anyone who's drawing and, you know, too, like Mike and I live, um, you know, he still lives in Oklahoma. So, like, um, it's it's just nice because, like, we're kind of the only two um, at our jobs that like draw and and like these certain things so it's kind of nice to be able to get on chat and just talk about stuff like while you're working or you know on on lunch break and stuff and not feel like you're totally um you know secluded (laughs) on like you know uh illustration island where there's no one to hang out with but um (laughs) yeah it's it's i find someone that you can talk to that you know um who is willing to help because i i i don't think i would have gotten as far as i have if it wasn't for people um like mike and and like chris and and matt and uh as far as other artists i like i i I think andrew cole does amazing stuff um i (laughs) I love joey ellis's work um uh yeah i don't know i I kind of feel like i'm just naming off the typical uh instagram account (laughs) no no i think those are all clear influences too i mean not that your work looks exactly like them but i could see why those people uh, are appealing to you so then you did this alien poster i see here for for squared go for mark here how did how did that come about and maybe mark you can maybe talk a little bit about it about Uh, it too yeah so with that aliens show in particular like squared co was in its infancy and it still is relatively new but at that point, all I had produced was like a Mega Man pin that I made myself and maybe like another random pin. So I was contacting all of these artists and saying like, hey, will you be a part of this gallery show um, celebrating Alien's 30th anniversary? It's almost like cold calling, like, hey, you're a really good artist. Do some work for me. So, <laughs> I mean, with Cole, we had a little bit of a rapport built up where my personal account, I think we followed each other and I had yeah. like sent you comments and messages back and forth. Um, so it wasn't like totally out of the blue, but yeah, for at least for on my end, that's kind of how this whole thing started where we were Instagram buddies, if you will. And then I told right. him about the show. <laughs> And I mean, you can take it from there, from your perspective. How did I get thrown in the in the I'll do this pile versus the I'm not the right fit for this pile? Because I'll be honest, I passed <laughs> on it as soon as I got. Uh, there, <laughs> that's right. I, I did reach out to Jared and he and was now like, you're doing oh, a podcast. Hell no, <laughs> that's right. That's right. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt. No, that's, yeah, how, that's so funny. What, what made you uh, do it? What made you decide to do it? Is it because you liked the film? 
Well, I'm I'm uh, I'm going to be completely honest. Um, <laughs> the Aliens franchise scares mm-hmm. the hell out of me. Like, <laughs> and it's funny because I do a scary movie podcast. Yeah, and you're so a horror I'm, geek I'm, too, right? I'm su- exactly. I'm supposed to be the horror guy, but if there's one thing in the <laughs> in the world that scares me, it's aliens. Like, and they, uh, yeah, it just it terrifies me so much. I saw those movies so young as a kid. In fact. I've never seen Aliens uh, all the way through. The second an alien came out of the the person's stomach, I was gone. Like I, oh. I, I never finished it. I don't even know what happens. I know there's a third movie, but um, for me, like when you would ask, of course we had we had chatted, you know, um, probably at least for a good year or so. So I, I knew you were yeah, a cool person, so. and I liked seeing your work, and you were always really supportive too. So I mean. Um, it would have been really hard to have said no. Um, so just just so you know, it was almost pure torture to do this piece, um, which is why <laughs> was why you only see a shadow of the alien because I wasn't going to draw the alien. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I don't know. Like I was just I was uh, when you had asked. I mean, I'll be honest. I was uh, just so stoked because no one, <laughs> no one. I think a couple of months before uh, Planet Pulp had reached out to me and was like, "Hey, why don't you um, contribute?" You know work to the site, you know, um, with our monthly mm-hmm. prompts. And if anyone out there doesn't know what Point of Pulp is, um, it's a website, it's an online gallery, uh, heavily based around pop culture and people, I think Jared, you're, you've done work for Point of Pulp as well. Sure. Yeah. That's a yeah. Jason, Jason uh, Weidel, I want to say is like, yeah, I, yeah. I, I probably pronounced that wrong. I know his first name, but, uh, the last <laughs> name I can't say confidently, um, but yeah, well, so we can put links to um, Planet Pulp stuff in our show notes. So oh yeah, you should. Any, definitely. Yeah, if, if anyone out there is unfamiliar, we'll we'll provide that in our show notes for this episode. Yeah, so that's that's the thing. Him and uh, now Andrew Kolb uh, kind of do uh, together. Um, so basically, they, a lot of people like Chris Lee and Matt. So these artists I've just looked up to for years are, are part of the site. I've I was a frequent visitor of it, and when I got asked, I was like, oh my gosh, you know, this is. Uh, you know, made my year. And then a couple months later, uh, you would ask to be a part of the alien show. I was like, this is my first actual like gallery show. Of course, I'm going to say yes. I don't want to do this piece because it's terrifying. <laughs> um, but I'm going to do it because I really, I really, you know, I, I really want to be in on this. And what was so funny is when the Princess Bride show came around, I, I have never seen that movie. I don't, I don't know what it's about. And I didn't want to be disingenuous again because like I'm not an Aliens fan. It's scary, but I definitely have never seen Princess Bride. So I can't even, for me, it's one of those things where it's like, I couldn't have done it because I wouldn't have known what to draw. I could have drawn some characters from the movie, but I, I really want there to be like passion behind what I do. And if I wasn't really excited about it. But then I see Jared as a part of the show uh, Andrew Kolb is a part of the show uh, and I'm like kicking myself at this point because I'm like I should have said yes because these are so again a killer roster like the first the Aliens roster was so good you had uh, incredible artists on there so I was Thank you know to you. me I, I I felt like I was like like the lucky guy honestly to get in on this you know I, I did not think I had the chops or the kind of the following that these other guys did and um it was it was definitely an honor. So uh, thanks. Yeah, I mean, to oh yeah, for sure. I mean, I like I said before, I'd have been a fan and follower of yours for years prior to that. Yeah, and to be honest, I was totally surprised with the amount of people that said yes to be part of the show too. Yeah, it's so cool. 
Yeah, it's super, so, it's super exciting to get these yeses um, and like excited yeses to be a part of this thing that I'm creating. Yeah. Okay. The, but the, here's the question. So you do a horror, <laughs> you do a horror podcast and, yes. I, and I did listen to a few episodes you talked about like <laughs> Texas Chainsaw Massacre, for example. How, how is Alien, <laughs> that series, more upsetting to you than, than the, these other films that you want? Is it, is it just the, the concept of it or like, like I have to ask that. Sure. Okay. I, aliens, like, there, there are a few movies that have actually messed me up as, as a child. And <laughs> I, I started very young on horror movies. Like my father just didn't realize that some movies aren't for kids. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what it sounds like my parents. Yeah, yeah. So, but you know, I'm, I, I, I appreciate it because it's honestly, it's almost all I watch are scary movies. It's, it's either the superhero stuff, Disney, Star Wars, or horror movies. That's really kind of the only interest <laughs> I have when it comes to cinema. Um, but, Aliens just to me like that movie um it was the second movie I had saw that um like I said the the scene with the the alien coming out of the the girl's stomach just was so bad and then there was that movie Fire in the Sky where a guy gets abducted and it was just <laughs> to me it's like I can I can I can believe there's a man in a hockey mask and he has a knife and he's going to come out in the woods and and chase down these teens who are promiscuous but I don't understand how there's this <laughs> this creature from the sky that comes down and, and, and harms people. <laughs> so I, because I can't understand it, I just can't go for it. Um, so, yeah, it is. It is really weird. Like ghosts don't scare me. You know, exorcist doesn't scare me. Jason Freddy doesn't scare me. But aliens they scare me. <laughs> you know, I was a, I was on board with like your whole origin story, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, then you get into music, then you try art and design, but the horror thing, uh, we think we're totally opposite cuz I'm still afraid of all those movies you just said you're not afraid oh, of. <laughs> yeah, Jared, uh, are are you a horror fan at all? Uh, it, you know, it depends. Like I don't mind like the suspenseful horror stuff or, sure. or some of the more uh I don't know if you'd say traditional. Like I don't I'm not big on the gore stuff. So even something yeah. like The Walking Dead, like the base show is great. Like I don't mind the drama of it. It's all the gore that I just can't <laughs> Right. Yeah, the, I can't the, the gore is a mu- bit much. I agree. And for me, like if you if you I mean if you look back through the episodes, like the movies and things that we talk about on our podcast, mm-hmm. it's all pretty campy stuff. I mean yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And we're, the and, fun stuff. So bringing our relationship back kind of 360, so I, I just remembered this. I think I reached out to you, the a first contact, like aside from the comments, you did um like a, a Super Mario mixed with one of the ghosts illustration. And I was like, oh, dude, I want to make a pin out of this. And so that was my first deny from you. And then oh my gosh. <laughs> I followed up with the um, the aliens show, which I got. And then we did the princess bride, which was another deny. And then just for the listeners, I'll kind of flesh this story out a little bit more. Um, so Squared Co., we do pins, prints, and pop culture movie posters. In addition to that, um, we have a relationship with a movie theater where... We celebrate significant film anniversaries and we'll do a whole event, which was the artwork that Jared did for Princess Bride and Cole was a part of the Aliens Gallery. Um, But in addition to all that stuff and now a podcast, 
Um, we're kind of like a mini agency, creative agency, where clients will come to us for specific art and design or illustration needs. And one of our clients is the House of Blues. So I had known that Cole was a fan of music. And so when I got approached with this project, there was a handful of artists that I immediately thought of, and Cole was one of them. Um, and so this is what the project was from House of Blues. Whenever they had a talent or a band sell out a show or a concert in their venue, as a gift from the venue for selling out, they give them a skateboard deck commemorating that show. So mm -hmm. we had maybe a list of 10 artists and I kind of approached you first and said like, here's our, here's kind of a rundown of the project and here's a list of 10 artists or bands. Um, basically like take your pick, I guess. So it's like, so there's the rundown of the project. Once I approached you, what were your initial feelings and thoughts at this before you even saw the band roster? Uh, before before I saw the roster, I mean, it was definitely, I think at the time I was just coming down from a couple of larger projects that were just like really uh, kicking my butt time-wise. Uh, and then I got your email and I thought, ooh, <laughs> I really like, I, I want to say yes, but um, I don't know. Really, it was, it was kind of the band list that tipped me off because, um, you know, I... It kind of goes back to what I was saying uh, about the Princess Bride. Like, I kicked myself later for not doing it because I saw like such. By the way, that sh that show experience looks so like so fun. You guys had people dress up in costume, and you have foods, and you know, for your second show, that was like almost like a huge step up from the Alien show. Like, um, it just seemed like people were maybe just a little bit more excited about that movie. And I, I get it too. It's, it's, I hear it's a nice movie <laughs> and I know there's a, I know there's a lot of nostalgic, uh, you know, feelings behind it too. So I, you know, I said no to it because I, I didn't know anything about it. And I just felt like if I tried to fake it, it was really going to show. So that, I kind of feel that way about the artist. Like I need to know, like, is there anyone on this list that I can get behind? Cause you know, I, I can talk about this later, but the process, like it just, it came so easy for me just because the artist I picked is someone I know so much about and, 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 uh, as far as their career goes. So, um, yeah. So, I mean, we can jump right into that. So once I sent you the list, I think mm -hmm. immediately, I don't remember, there's a couple that you're like, oh yeah, maybe, you know, A, B and C, but you were yeah. like, oh hell yeah, I'm all about common. So right. <laughs> sign me up for that as soon as possible. Yeah. Like I immediately told my wife, I was like, I might have a chance like to do something for Common. And of course, um, <laughs> you know, she was excited for me because that's that's a household name around here. So, uh, but yeah, so Common was on the list, and I, I couldn't say no. Like that was one hundred percent my first choice. I didn't even have to think about it. Um, I just I wanted to do something uh, for him, you know, and uh, of course, you know, for Squarecode too, because I thought it was super, <laughs> super cool to have that opportunity again. Uh, so. I know nothing about common. I know nothing about skate decks. When sure. Mark was talking about skate decks, I thought he meant like a deck of cards. Like I didn't understand like how many images do you need? You know, like 52. We're gonna need 52 or, images. Yeah, exactly. So I wonder if you could sort of take us through a little bit about your process on something like this. Cause I, I would not know the first thing to do. Like what, how did you come up with this concept then? If you're a fan of his music, like mm -hmm. what was your first thought? Like, was this your first take? Did you have a bunch of different concepts for this? This is, this is one of the rare, ex uh, 
this is such a I don't know this is such a weird experience uh, because it, <laughs> it it literally and I I could I could send it to uh, well let, to, let, to you before Mark, you but, before you run into this or answer let me preface sure. this for Jared where I had given Cole some pretty specific details where I had run into a few not issues with the client but I had found out that they really needed to kind of get on board with the composition of whatever art was going to be presented. So I told Cole, like, hey, whatever decisions you make, you've got to somehow link it back to the brand that is common. So find existing images, either like promo images for a previous tour or a gig poster or album art. And you've got to like lay that out and send it to the client. um, So there's no like discrepancy on how you came up with this composition. Um, so those are like the instructions I gave to Cole. Mm-hmm. Um, and then from there, I guess, so I go ahead, Jared. Oh no. So I'm thinking, so Cole, at this point you're regretting taking this, uh, assignment on. <laughs> it uh, so had what, some what comes, yeah. <laughs> what comes next then? So what did you, was that easy research for you to do? Did you have something kind of in mind going into it? Yeah. I, well, the first thing, uh, the thing about common and, um, be like, I'm a, I'm a, huge fan of his work and have been for he was one of the first hip-hop artists i ever got into and this was a uh genre of music i was never into ever Mm -hmm. and so the connection i have with common is like when i first heard him i thought i like hip-hop now you know (laughs) like it was just like one of those like really magical kind of moments where i was like you know he's he's such a fantastic storyteller um and I liked, you know, to me, hip hop was always like this braggadocious thing where it's mm-hmm. like, I'm better than you and I have more money, I have more women, things like that. And it's just, I can't relate to that. You know, I've had you know, like three girlfriends my entire life and I, you know, I'm broke almost all the time. So it wasn't one of those things that I could like really, you know, get into. But um, so Madison Avenue wasn't all about the bragging. No, absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> we were more about our feelings. Oh, <laughs> yeah. So. I thought, well, luckily, luckily for Common, he's been around for such a long time. Let's just try to pay tribute to his legacy and pull just different, not necessarily album covers, but like traits from albums that I like. Um, but um, yeah, there's just like little things like um, there's a there's a hand sticking out with a coffee cup and his first album was called Can I Borrow a Dollar? And so there's a dollar bill st- sticking out of it. Um, there's a um there's a his last album he put out was called uh black america again and has this woman with this really uh really cool hair and so i kind of did my own version of that woman at the bottom of the deck uh there's a song called pyramids so i have like some pyramids kind of drifting off into the sunset through her hair um there's a skyline of chicago because that's where he's from uh there's like some seagulls and some waves that are um um inspired by his album finding uh um finding forever and then um the top two images are kind of a an idea where there's a common had a self-titled album where he has like his name written on a jacket but it's on the front so i put it on the back of his jacket so he could be facing the crowd and he's facing this crowd and this crowd is taken from another album from uh called electric circus so it the whole thing looks like he's kind of like performing to this audience the lights are on him there's kind of like this reflection coming off his leather jacket and has his name. And of course, one of the things that you had to have included on the decks were, you know, the artist name, um, 
Anaheim, California, the House of Blues logo, something about, you know, being sold out or like a sold out show. So there's like some little hands mm-hmm. holding out these signs that say sold out show. And right. Um, right. Yeah. So that's that's kind of what it is. I, it, you, you touched on this earlier. It's it's weird to talk about art on a on an audio you know, podcast. <laughs> right, right. Well, if yeah. you all can just imagine this, it's really neat. <laughs> now, we'll we'll have a link to you, this piece in particular in the show notes as well. So. Hopefully they're not driving and looking at their phone when they're listening to this, but they can have it up on screen <laughs> while they're working in the corner or something. But yeah, we'll have right. a link to this piece um, in our show notes for sure. So I'm looking at this and it's uh, it's very different than anything you that you kind of have done before. Yeah. I mean, I can see some style, you know, similarities and stuff like that. So maybe for you, Mark, what were you thinking uh, when you chose Cole for for doing these skate decks specifically for bands. Did you have something in mind when you went in for this? Cause there are no Ninja Turtles here. There are no Batmans. <laughs> nope. I know. And so, I personally, I was pretty upset about uh, no Ninja Turtles in this. No Ninja. Yeah, I tried. It just didn't make sense. <laughs> so I so mean, what made you think he was a good fit for, for something like this? Cause I knew he was passionate about music and the fact that he was such a big fan of common after I, I dropped his name. Um, uh-huh. I was totally reassured that it was in good hands and i'd seen a lot of his previous work and knew he can put together a decent composition for a piece so there's some artists when i have a project come about like i'm like okay this is his style i can almost envision what his piece will be for this specific project i didn't necessarily have that worth cole i just had you know confidence in his ability to produce something that would work um the 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 cool thing is I gave him the set instructions thinking that I would have to like kind of maneuver around pitching it to the client, but he gave me more than enough information to just hand it off with, I'd probably say like 90% of the decks come back from the client saying, you know, we have these three edits before, you know, it's approved, or we want to see you kind of tweak this image in this direction or change the colors. Cole is maybe one I think we've done maybe a dozen of these decks so far. And Cole is maybe one of two decks that got approved on the first pitch. Oh, wow. That's oh, wow. That, that's crazy. <laughs> yeah. So, um, cool. I mean, that's awesome. and gives me even more confidence to go to you for future jobs. But yeah, it's it was you. You did exactly what I asked um, and probably even better than I described it to you. Uh, bossy so oh, so cole were you at all intimidated to to i mean you, you're pretty whimsical in your other work and stuff like this this is a fairly serious approach mm-hmm. to this the skate deck were you at all intimidated to take on a project like this or did you feel like no i can do this you know it's, it's funny i didn't feel intimidated until later because uh I I only did this one concept. Um, I was mm-hmm. leaving to go out of town, and the turnaround on this was actually pretty quick. I think they needed it like a week out, but like almost a week and a half out before the show. So yeah, so it there was, was this waiting period of like when it was done. I was like, oh, when do I get to see it? I'm so excited, you know. <laughs> and I know like you you do projects that take way longer before it ever sees the light of day. But you know, for me, I'm still pretty green in this. Um, in this so I was like really excited about it and I wanted to you know show people and but uh Mark was like hey um because I think the original concept I sent was green 
it was it, it was like a two color it's a three color board so limited because it's screen printed so you don't yeah. even have a lot of colors to work with which um you know that's why i you know i think it's good that you know or at least research uh the artists you're going to work on so you can kind of see like uh you know mark explained like he had the the decks that uh he had worked on you know the bands had used a certain color palette and some old merch or uh, album covers and things like that and so when i sent this concept you were like hey um i i told you i was like hey i don't have enough time to do this one and so um i'm not saying this has to get chosen but if you know if it does that would be great um <laughs> uh, because i don't know when i'll get to get to the you know get on this again and so you had mentioned like hey Let's just do it in like two more colors. So we did a green deck, a blue, and a yellow, and they chose the blue. But um, yeah, yeah, that was fine. more me like manipulating the client to thinking that we were presenting more because it's very mo- smart. <laughs> <laughs> most of our other decks, it's like, you know, here's three different comps that you can choose from. And then within those comps, maybe we can d- um, go into different color palettes. But for you, I created the um you had the one comp to present and i was like all right let's just make them think that there's multiple versions of this by yeah <laughs> upping the color palette so I, yeah i mean essentially just duplicated the one color palette times three and yeah. luckily because you i mean i'm sure both of you have are familiar with this but a lot of times in freelance projects the client's they like to feel more involved or like get their hands involved with a project and whether that's giving you specific direction or at the very least being able to choose from a list, it makes them feel maybe a little bit more important than they are. Um, yeah. and like they're part of the whole project. Just a little tip for any listeners out there. That's a definitely something you should keep in mind by keeping the client happy is Maybe you don't give them a ton of options, but figure out a way to present mm-hmm. the work in different ways so that it feels like you're giving them more than what you actually are. Yeah. That's funny. Yeah. When I was in college, I had one of our, we had a visiting artist who did a lot of newspaper illustrations and things like that. His, his trick was to do something glaringly wrong in the <laughs> illustration. Uh, like, like he spells something wrong or, or, or do, you know, like purposely leave a date wrong or something like that, just so that the client had something to correct. And then they would be distracted by that and not go into uh, too much other detail with revisions and things like that. I thought that was pretty Yeah, pretty Jared, clever. it's funny you say that because I thought you were going a different direction because I had a friend in school who would do something somewhat similar, but mm-hmm. what, if there was a concept that he really liked, he would make sure the other concepts were just really bad. And yeah, so, yeah. like, so when he would present them, they would pick the one that was good because that's the one he liked. But the, you know, uh, and that's how he would get his way. And I always thought that was hilarious that he would. Well, I think he would it, try that. yeah. No matter what seems to happen, if you put up a a concept you're not real happy about, that's always the one they're going to go with. It exactly, like. it's so, so risky. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that's always that's a tough decision. Did you do this in uh, Photoshop? I did. Yeah, um, I sketched it in. Um, I did one little thumbnail sketch uh in um on, on paper and mm-hmm. i snapped a shot of it and threw it in uh threw it in photoshop and i used some of those fantastic kyle webster brushes we were talking about oh, and <laughs> just made it happen <laughs> <laughs> and how long about would you say did it take you to sort of once you had to go ahead to go with to to do this uh, project 
Uh, I'd say probably two and a half hours. Um, oh, wow. It's, it was one of those things, like, well, the thing with digital work I love because I did all my drawings on a, just, like, all the little parts of the drawing on a different layer. So mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. one thing I've always, and I still struggle with this quite a bit, is, you know, when I sketch something, I think, yeah, that, that fits pretty nicely. And then when I actually take it into digital and I put it mm-hmm. in a template, I'm like, oh, yeah, I, I need some more things because this is way off. Like, you know, my initial sketch was, like, really squatty. And skateboards are, you know, pretty long. So I had to do quite a bit of like, um, in fact, the skyline wasn't even part of the sketch. That was something I had to put in there because um, uh, I ran, I, I, my initial sketch was too short for the, uh, for the board <laughs> template. But yeah, around two and a half to three hours just with the sketch and, and, and going to work on it. Um, part of that being, you know, it's, it's three colors. And so I think that was the, yeah. that's always the most challenging when there's a restriction, uh, restriction in color. Um, but also at the same time, I, I, I personally am overwhelmed by color in general. So, um, it's, there's never like this really happy medium for me of like, you know, if it's limited, I get a little stressed out. If, um, it's something I've not really drawn before, then I get overwhelmed because it's like, well, what color could it be? It could be anything. And, yeah. um, that's when it seems to take a little bit longer. I mean, going back to what you asked me, um, Jared, how I chose Cole for this, this was almost like a buddy deal, too, where I don't know. I didn't really share this with you, Cole, but I thought like because all of your work is so colorful and relies on the the, like a full color gamut, I thought it would be a nice, you know, change of pace and even challenge for you to do this limited color project. So like, you know, in the back of my head, I'm playing like art director, like, oh, I really want to push his artistic abilities a little bit further and help him get to the next level. I mean, selfishly, I was trying to, I mean, I don't know if it's selfishly, but I was thinking like this could be a nice way to kind of push you into a direction that you haven't done. Yeah, I felt that way, too. And like, um, I think I I even think I remember you saying um, that you were excited to see what this would look like since it is limited in color. Um, And even the style for me, uh, the the art style of the board is also a little bit different for me. Um, There's certain things like I can tell just because I know my work, but like there's certain ways I do hands or there's certain ways I, um, you know, I I do my thick and thin line art. So those things are like common for me. No pun intended. Common. Those things are common for me <laughs> in this art, but like there's stylistically, there's also another direction that I took with it that is um, probably pretty drastic. Not, I would say drastically different, but pretty different than most of the stuff that's on my side. Personally, and, I think you did a great job. And again, you're one of very few that have been approved so quickly. So I appreciate that and just overall happy with our relationship and how Squared Co. has kind of brought us even closer together than before. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you. I, you know, it's, it's awesome to hear that. And I just, I really hope I made, I made common proud. I hope he got all the references <laughs> because I feel like this is like, just like a love letter to him in a way. Uh, is this um, up on the wall mark somewhere? Is it, can they see, can people see this? Yeah. I know this so is a gift, right? this will be, yeah. So basically there's two parties that get the, the actual physical skateboard decks. The band and it's like team, so it's little entourage or whoever is involved with the talent. And then the venue gets a copy that they're going to put up on display. So it's going to showcase kind of like the history of the sold out shows at the House of Blues. Um, they 
the House of Blues just reopened at a new location in March. So they don't have a, a large number of sold out shows yet. So I don't know if they're waiting until they hit a certain number before they start posting them okay. up on the wall. But eventually they will be up on display. So Cole, if you ever make it back to Southern California, we'll have to get together and get something to eat at the House of Blues restaurant so you can see your board yeah. on the wall. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, I'd love to. So now, Cole, that you're 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 kind of through slumming it with Squared Co. Uh, what are <laughs> what are, are there other places that you'd love to do work for? Like, there's a lot of these pop culture shows that look like you'd be a perfect fit for. But uh, is there another gallery or anything that you are particularly interested in doing work for or being part of one of their shows? Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, um, well, S- Squared Co. For one, like I I would I want to do more for for uh, the movies like as long as I've seen the movie or I'm not terrified by the movie. Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, But I've, you know, that that's such a cool thing to be a part of, but um, I've gallery 1988 is kind of a bucket list of mine. I've, Mm -hmm. I've not really tried to to seek out an opportunity on, on how to get into that. I know it's, it's kind of, um, I think, I think it's like invite or, you know, you know, someone that knows someone, but um, I, I've also too, just like, I, I wanted to get to a point to where I was really happy with what I was doing before I would try to like get in on something like that. But gallery 1988 for sure. Um, <laughs> gosh, I don't, I don't know. Um, to me, that's such a, such a iconic gallery. Like um, so many, so much cool stuff goes into that. And um, it's, it's, I don't know. It's, it's, it's super interesting. Um, I, that was my one regret when I went out to visit, um, in California was I, I, we had plans to go by gallery 1988 and we just didn't have the time for it. So maybe one day. Oh man. You, yeah. yeah. Next time you go, I know they just expanded. So gallery 1988 is on, I mean, Jared, you might remember the actual street name, but it's on a street and they have two locations, maybe like two or three blocks away from each other on the same street. And one of those locations, they just expanded. So Gallery 1988 is bigger than it ever has been before. Um, yeah, well, and I find that for, for that gallery in particular, it, it's really uh, just about the show that's there. Because there's mm-hmm. not much else to those locations other than the current show. Like, right. uh, I think Nucleus has a little bit more of a, a store in the front and... Yeah, um, something always ongoing, but yeah, it's it's in a very. Is it on Melrose? Uh, it's in that I don't area, know. that general yeah. area. And I I hate to say it and get it wrong, but <laughs> yeah, they're always doing, and they do a lot of shows, so it's always turning over. Yeah, um, it's the same with uh, Nucleus too. So those are de- they're both in L.A. but kind of different areas of L.A. But I mean, yeah, if definitely. you're coming from Tennessee to Southern California and you're an art fan and you're a pop culture art fan. You definitely um, should check those out next time you're down here. Yeah. What I think is so cool about that, I just, I love the fact that there are people who go to these shows. Like, that's just so cool to me. Like, we're so used to flipping through everything on our phones. And I think, Jared, you mentioned earlier how Instagram just feels so passive because um, I know for me, it's, it's kind of weird to, like, spend so many hours on a piece and you might get a like on it, but... Yeah. <laughs> you know, for the most part, it's seen and experienced in a matter of seconds, you know, mm-hmm, um, not mm-hmm. a, unless I, I feel like if you are an artist, you, you maybe you zoom in a little bit or you spend a little more time looking at it because you're just a fan of like art and how things are done and the process. But it, it really does my heart good to know that there are people who show up in the physical 
you know, presence and look at art. Like that's just, that's really awesome. I'm so glad that there's like galleries that are doing cool shows like that and people are showing up to them. Yeah, no, definitely. I think uh, that's one of the big uh, challenges for an artist doing these shows is how do you get people to want to actually own the thing you're selling? Because right. so many images are just readily available on Instagram and Facebook and everywhere you see that sometimes people just want it for their phone wallpaper, which kind of drives me crazy. <laughs> but um, to get people to leave their homes and to come to a gallery and spend more than $20 on a print, uh, that's that's encouraging and amazing to see that uh, so many people are willing to do that, let alone like with Mondo, stand in line overnight to try oh, to get gosh, yeah. you know, a print or something like that. So it's it's incredible. It's an amazing thing. I'm I'm curious to see how long this lasts. Is this forever or is it sort yeah. of a, a trend? <laughs> I hope so. But, and you know, yeah. it, it's it's I would say, I mean, I I feel like it's still going pretty strong, you know. Absolutely. I, and I think it's it's gotten to the point now where people just sort of collect these things. It's not even about yeah. wall space anymore because oh, yeah. uh, you I just mean, don't have enough and framing's so expensive. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I people definitely are just have these more art than wall space currently. Mm-hmm. Oh, same here. It, so then, what would be like? You've got a good setup right now. You've got a day job that that kind of pays the bills and and you know keeps it regular for you. And then you mm-hmm. get time to do freelance stuff at night. But what is sort of the ultimate goal for you? Is it to just sort of do what you're doing now and get better at what you're doing, or is there a bigger plan for you? I think goal one is definitely just get better and keep doing it. I mean. You know, I, I would never say no to uh, working, doing something for Nickelodeon or Target or things like that. I mean, there's, there's mm-hmm. things that I just connect to. I feel like I just have a kinship to. Like, I buy almost everything at Target. I That's my favorite store in the world. <laughs> would definitely not say no to an opportunity to do something. Um, Nickelodeon, I mean, I grew up on that. That's, that's everything to me. So, yeah, uh, there's things like that where I think those are probably like, the, the, the bucket list in life to kind of do something for it, you know, whatever that something is. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't know. I think, I think it's kind of one of those things where I'm just kind of, I know if I put in the work and I keep, uh, you know, keep trying and keep working, you know, I, I would hope that something good comes out of it. And, you know, maybe that's, maybe it's an opportunity like that, or maybe it is, you know, um, freelance. I, I, I'm not sure at the moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, speaking of Nickelodeon, you've got this uh, SpongeBob that you've posted fairly recently, I think, on your on your page. Is oh yeah. That a, and that's a sort of a slightly different look for you. Is that is that something new you're exploring, or was that a Kyle Webster brush experimentation? <laughs> or <laughs> well, like you know, it, I did it on the iPad, so unfortunately, mm. I don't I don't have Kyle brushes on the iPad. Which there you go. If he if he really wants to hit a stroke of genius, he'll he'll make some iPad <laughs> brushes. <laughs> Because uh, I know there's several artists out there like me who have really like fallen in love with the iPad who would just kill for some good brushes. Um, the, the the idea behind the SpongeBob thing was um, it was practice because SpongeBob is so iconic. You know, he mm-hmm. looks a certain way. He's been around for so long. Everyone knows what SpongeBob, SpongeBob looks like. So it's like, how can I draw SpongeBob and he still be SpongeBob but not look identical to um, mm-hmm you know, you know, be on model. So there's certain things about them that are, um, uh, off and they're purposely like that because I, I, like Jared, you, you, you're actually a, a a great example of this, but you do these fantastic characters all the time and things like Mickey Mouse and, um, you know, uh, sleep, uh, sleeping beauty. And we all know who these people are, but they, you do them in your style and 
it's it's so cool to see how great they turn out and even though it's not the disney model you know it's not like it, it's its own thing if that makes sense yeah absolutely well thank you for that do you, do you find like for me the challenge is you want to kind of keep what's appealing about that that character that everybody loves but do yeah. you find it difficult especially with something iconic like spongebob or ninja turtles to sort of stylize that without taking away from you know what people like about it yeah, sometimes. I mean, I think like fan art in general can be kind of tricky just because, mm-hmm. you know, you, you have the purist who really want it to look <laughs> a certain way. But um, I think people too, people love fan art because they already, you know, they're, they're already loving that property. So there's right. there's a there's already a little bit of a connection to it. So if you do it right, you know, and I feel like, Jared, that's that's you in this case. You're, you're nailing it. People <laughs> people love it uh for that alone but for me i know a lot of times i'll go off model because when i'm drawing something like that i am thinking about what that artist did to like Mm -hmm. i've never drawn spongebob before and that was one of the hardest things to figure out because (laughs) you think oh it's 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 a square you know and he has square pants and two buck teeth and I thought, yeah, I, I should be able to do that. That's easy. And I drew it probably 50 times in my sketchbook before I ever went digital with it. And I'm thinking like, this guy is way harder than I thought he would be. <laughs> and so it was almost kind of like a way for me to hide some of my own imperfections and kind of purposely do him off model, um, but also try to do him on model. So it's kind of like a, a little bit of in between. It's like, I kind of wanted to be different, but I also really wanted to try to nail it. Uh, mm-hmm. the way it was originally designed uh, because you that's another good thing about anyone starting out doing fan art you you're learning what the master before you you know kind of did um, and then when you get to that point to where you're good enough you you break you break your you break the rules and I think that's where the real magic happens like I said you know um, your your characters are just so awesome because like um you know the rules you break them and they're just they're it's you and it's your thing and uh when i went to disneyland i could see your work everywhere i knew exactly who did it like it was was (laughs) such a cool thing uh to to do that Uh, jared is uh become a staple at that wonderground gallery oh yeah i had a blast at the wonderground gallery like that was so cool like i was like i tell my wife i was like i know who did that and did that you know, and I was like showing her on my phone, like, look at this. Like, <laughs> these are real people. They have stuff here. It's crazy. So for people listening to the show, uh, this is how you answer the questions by uh, definitely bringing up my work and telling me how great it is. <laughs> yeah, we need yep. to inflate Jared's ego. That's the actual That's right. reason. That's for why this I'm podcast. doing this show. Yeah, sure. exactly. exactly. <laughs> well, I really like that SpongeBob. That's why I brought it up. It, oh, thank there's you. a there's a definitely an energy to that one that's uh, a little different than some of the other things that you've done. But um, yeah, really great stuff. Uh, so Jared asked you about art shows that you wanted to be a part of or like galleries. Um, I haven't seen you participate in any conventions before. Is that something that you like is on your radar or something that you might be interested in getting like a booth or participating in a convention? Yeah, definitely. Um, we have, uh, I, I think it's, uh, gosh, it's, um, the convention that a lot of the cities have. I, I'm, what is it? It's like a wonder con. Not mm-hmm. maybe it's a wonder con. I don't know. It's it's well, a convention. It's, the new trend is just like City X Comic Con. So it's not yeah, necessarily exactly tied to the the Comic Con brand. Right. But it's like just, it's not San Diego. It's yeah. You know, um, 
Right. Yeah. So we have one in Nashville and every year we've had it, I've had like a major life event going down that weekend from <laughs> weddings to my own wedding to just like I have to go out of town and be somewhere. So I, and the first year I was available for it, th- it was the year they skipped. So last oh, year I'm, oh, I'm sitting around and I'm like, I'm ready. I bought a printer. I've got prints for sale. And uh, I see I checked the dates and they're like 2018. And, you know, not to not to be super bummed about that. But this now it's the weekend I'm going to be having my first child. So, oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. It's one of those things where it's like, all right, well, I'd probably be best if I don't sign up for a show and kind of, you know, risk the fact that, you know, um, my wife could be going into labor. And uh, that's that's kind of a, that's pretty important to, to be Is present it's... for. <laughs> Save that overlapping weekend for baby number two. Like you can do a convention yeah. for the second sure. baby. For the second one, because you know it's. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I, I think I, I could someday. Uh, well, but with that, I want to wrap up by saying thank you so much for your time, Cole, and just absolutely. You know, being a part of Squared Co. so early on, it's been huge to have somebody that I followed you know, be willing to participate and be such a supportive um, asset in this whole thing. So thank you for that. And thank you for today, this podcast um, interview. It's been great. And I really, really appreciate it. Oh, absolutely, man. Thank you for uh, seeking me out and for, you know, uh, liking what I do and for uh, believing in me enough to, to be a part of it. Like I said, when when I was asked, it was a uh, it was an honor, and it always will be. You know, I'm always excited when someone wants to to collaborate or or have me be a part of their their thing because um, I know I know it's it's it, it's it's important to me. So thank you. Yeah, that's awesome. And, and Cole, where can people find you? Where's the best place for them to go? I know you're on a couple of the social media senior. If you want to give yourself a plug here, tell them where they can go to see your work. Sure. Um, I have a I have a website. Uh, Cole's work. Dot com. Um, I'm terrible. There's a theme. I'm terrible with naming things for myself, but <laughs> uh, Coles, that's C-O-L-E-S work.com. And then you can find me on Instagram, which I post uh, almost daily there. And that is Life of Cole. And I'm also on Twitter, which is Cole Loves Pizza. So again, terrible <laughs> oh, names. That's my favorite. That, Man, nothing's that's consistent a great one. here. <laughs> Mark loves pizza too. There you go. <laughs> Yes, uh, it was funny. A couple of uh, off, like something about the book I did was tweeted out, and there was a lot of people tagged in it that were like legit artists and authors, and um, someone to purchase a bunch of books. And I was in the name, and I thought, how do you just find the illustrator for this? And like, here, everyone's got these really great names, and I was like, cool, loves pizza. I'm like, yep, I'm professional. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? It- you just stick to it. You chose it and yeah, you I, see I'm it gonna live commit. It. <laughs> yeah. And where can they um, find Scary Movie Ice Cream Night, the podcast? Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, podcasts I do, uh, if you like horror movies and goofing around, it, it really is just kind of like hanging out with uh, the co-hosts and I because it, it, we're, we're, we're best friends and we really treat it just like a, a conversation we're having on the phone. Uh, lots of giggling and laughing and, you know, uh, jokes about scary movies so you can find us on itunes if you search 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 uh yeah i think it's scary movie ice cream 
And then if you <laughs> and then if you go to uh, you can find us on SoundCloud, which is soundcloud.com scary movie ice cream night. So um, no night in iTunes search, but uh, the full name <laughs> on, on SoundCloud. You keep keeping that trend of being inconsistent. May with I tell you, podcast as well. It's a theme <laughs> of my life. <laughs> Got to keep everybody on their toes, right? Yeah, why not? I can't make it easy. <laughs> so Cole just said where you can find him, but to make it even easier, again, we'll have a bunch of these links, um, all of the ways you can get in contact with him and his work in our show notes. So go ahead and look for his work and links there. Um, for Squared Co., you can find us at squaredco.org. And on all the social medias, we're just Squared Co. Because we, not like Cole, we want to make it consistent and easy for smart. you. Smart. Very smart. <laughs> uh, so I think, gentlemen, that wraps it up for today. Thank you, Jared. Thank you, Cole, once again. This has been the Squared Co. Podcast. See you later. <laughs>